Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily, but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. I know, I know, I know. There are some of you who want this to be exclusively an NBA slash basketball zone. And as they say in the fantastic series, The Bear, I believe it's on Hulu, heard chef as in you have been heard i must say though that there are also a few of you who have said you appreciate my commentary on subjects beyond basketball so this is what i'm going to do for the most part this is going to remain an nba slash basketball podcast but when something comes up that i believe is important to note too important to ignore because it says something about sports at large or there's something at least that we can learn from it that we can apply to basketball, NBA, etc. Something that reflects the larger prism of sports, I'm going to address it. And we have such a topic right now. Whether you're a hardcore basketball fan or not, you cannot have ignored the fact that Dion Primetime Sanders, former legend in both football and baseball, is now the coach of the Colorado University football team, the Buffaloes, and has taken the collegiate football scene or world by storm. And everybody's got an opinion, not just in terms of what he's doing, but how he's doing it and what it means to college football, to black football coaches, head coaches, etc. And... I just have to laugh because it's, I see it as a Rorschach test. The Rorschach test, for those who may not be familiar, it's, they give you, I don't know if I've ever taken one or not. Maybe you haven't either, but it used to be a standard thing, standard psychological test. They gave you these different uh, sheets with ink splotches on it, and you told the psychiatrist or psychologist what it is that you saw in those splotches animal 
mineral, plant, scene, cloud, whatever. And that was supposed to be a certain reflection of your mental state. <laughs> uh, one, of my, my, one of my kids, my daughter, is studying to be a psychologist. So maybe I'll come circle back around and have more to tell you about this subject. I don't know a whole lot about the Rorschach test. I do know a lot about, obviously, sports. I do know a lot about college football. And I know a decent amount about Deion Sanders. Now, here's the thing. Let's, let, let's start with the biggest picture. This idea that Deion Sanders is somehow going to change the dynamic that more college football coaches, more black college football coaches are going to be given the head job in big programs in college football. Maybe there's even the thought that, because there's been talk about that Dion's next step is being the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, that they're going to be more head coaches in the NFL. Maybe. But primetime success is not going to be the thing that moves the needle. Because what's being missed here, in the biggest way and most obvious way possible, is the uniqueness of Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders as a legendary football player. Deion Sanders is a guy who's so well-spoken that he's worked in the media since he retired from professional sports. Uh, A Deion Sanders who has two sons who are playing huge roles, including Shadur Sanders, the quarterback of the Colorado Buffaloes, playing a huge role in their success to this point, which hasn't been all that successful of late. And I do, I have noticed that the idea that Dion is going to change the template for black head coaches has quieted down now that they got run by uh, Oregon and they lost to USC. Suddenly the wins against Colorado State and Texas Christian University that started the year that had everybody going, oh my God, can't believe what Dion is doing. Make no mistake, Dion Sanders and what the Colorado Buffaloes did to be even two and two at this point, competitive in three of the four games, is impressive. For a guy coming in first year with a program, basically changing out the majority of the team, it's I don't, I don't care if they have a losing record. I don't care if they win. They don't win another game. If they're competitive and what they've already done, they've already surpassed, let's face it, already surpassed a one-win Colorado team last year. And I find it hard to believe that they're not going to win more games. So there's that. But we're talking about Shadura Sanders, his son, the quarterback, being a top certainly an NFL prospect, and certainly a first-round pick. I mean, that's the conversation at this point. How many black head coaches are showing up with a son who is that caliber of a quarterback? How many NFL coaches are going to be able to recruit NFL, or excuse me, black head coaches are going to be able to recruit a quarterback of, of that ability? I don't know. I'm not saying it's going to be any more or less than any other coach, but it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty big stepping stone to have that already in your pocket that you come in with your quarterback 
and a quarterback of Shadur's ability. The other part here is not understanding, particularly when it comes to the college scene, what a head coach's responsibility is, how a head coach holds on to his job. It's not just winning. If you're consistently in the top five, top ten ranked teams in the in in the country, then yeah, you're doing enough that you're probably not going to lose your job, depending on the conference and the expectation. If Alabama, for example, or Dabo Sweeney, only winning and winning enough to be top 10, but not competing for titles, championships, then at some point, eh, the expectations have been set pretty high in terms of what they're supposed to do and what the bar is for remaining in favor. And this is what's really important. In favor with who? It's not the athletic director. It's not even the president of the school. It's the boosters. It's the supporters of the program. And this is maybe the most important thing that everyone should understand when it comes to hiring and firing head coaches at any level. Say maybe GMs as well when it comes to uh, professional sports. With college football, there are a host of boosters that you have to keep happy. You have to glad hand them. You have to make them feel like you are making them feel special. The head coach, that is. Got to make them feel special because they're the ones with the deep pockets. They're the ones that feel like they are providing the necessary resources for you to do your job. And they're the ones who can very much, if they pull their support, get you fired. That's a lot of people to glad hand. And that's a lot of people to glad hand if you're somebody like Deion Sanders who's used to it being the other way around, where people are coming to you, where people are glad handing you, where people want to shake your hand, people want to tell you how, you're, how great you are. Suddenly when you got to serve a lot of these other people, and those people happen to be the majority, happen to be white and old and male, it's a little bit of a different dynamic. That's where it gets difficult. That's why among ev- with everything considered, the idea that someone like Deion Sanders, who has an, a, a, a background and a persona that cannot possibly be replicated. The idea that, A, either he is going to change the metric when it comes to black head football coaches, or or it's a sign that the system is still incredibly racist. Anybody criticizing primetime at this point is racist. They don't like the way he's approaching it because it's too black. That's the insinuation. If not said outright that's what i hear like oh you don't like the way he's doing it because he's doing it with a little too much swag which is code for he's doing it like a black head football coach would with personality with glitz with glamour with ostentatiousness no Deion sanders is doing this because he knows football and he's an incredible motivator of young men 
Majority of those men right now happen to be black. So, yeah, he's got an in on that front. But it's insulting to think that because he's wearing the shades and because he can talk big and because he's rubbing elbows with Lil Wayne and other entertainers that your typical head football coach couldn't possibly get to do a concert right before your game. That's what makes Dion a little bit different. That's not what makes him great. And that is not, at least from what I've heard, is not any of, or has not driven any of the criticism to this point. The one piece of criticism that sticks out to me was that he didn't know the name of the starting center, his starting center for the Buffaloes, when he was asked about him. Didn't, couldn't recall, couldn't identify him. And the suggestion is he's not really all that involved in all of his players as a result. A little bit of a facade. I'm not about to kill him for that. Head coaches with big programs, generally, they're managers. And especially if somebody like Deion Sanders, who has the ability to promote his program and has the invitations at this point to appear on... TV shows across the nation and is taking full advantage of that. I seem to remember Mark Cuban of the Dallas Mavericks when he took over as owner did the same thing. He couldn't quite sell everybody on the Dallas Mavericks being better because that was going to take time to build. But you could sell, or at least Mark thought, he could sell himself, his personality, his belief, his willingness to put the time in, his passion. That's what Deion Sanders is doing with Colorado. It's not a great football team. It's an inspired football team. They have some talent, but they're not ready to play against the best of the best. And there's no shame in that. As I said, it's the first year. And this is why I say that it's a Rorschach test. Anybody who is asked what they think of Deion Sanders and what he's doing with the Colorado football team. It seems like people either want to use him as a symbol or as an axe to grind. And that goes for fans, athletes, coaches, media. He's a saint. He's soft. He's a disruptor. He's a snake oil salesman. He's a showboat. He's the greatest college coach ever. He's a fraud. A guy who was all flash and no substance. He's a lightning rod criticized by white people who are uncomfortable with his success and his swag. Jesus. Either we've lost our collective minds or primetime Deion Sanders. Well, he's a Rorschach test. Now, is there something wrong, by the way, with taking a beat? Because all of this has happened over the course of four weeks. Can we take a beat? Can we take a breath before deciding exactly who and what Deion Sanders is. Make a clear-eyed assessment without rushing to lofty pronouncements or downplaying anything about exactly what he's done so far as the Colorado's uh, as Colorado's head coach. So let's start here. He obviously knows how to coach football, and he does it out of love. Whether it's love of competition or love of teaching doesn't matter. And yes, I know he's making he's getting paid some $28, 29000000 million dollars. I still see a man, well, first of all, I don't know that he needs it. I don't know that he needs the money. He could be doing a lot of other things. 
and don't, however much celebrity he might have and connections, etc., it's a grind. It is a grind being a college football coach. Maybe more so than being an NFL head coach. Because there's not just coaching the team. There are those boosters that I mentioned who are in multiples. If you're an NFL head coach, you just have essentially one, maybe two guys to satisfy. And really only one, the owner. The GM, be nice if you guys are on the both, both on the same page. Chances are he hired you, quite possibly. But there's only really an, it's an audience of one, and that's the owner of the team. Now, I'm going to give credit to Dion for how good both of his sons are, Shador and Safety Shiloh. And as I said, he's clearly a great motivator. He's also an unusually great marketer, which the most, most successful head coaches are. That's not being a great marketer. Are we attributing that to him being black? Nick Saban is a masterful marketer. So is Dabo Sweeney. And I just keep mentioning those two because those two names are the ones that, well, first of all, Prime's doing commercials with Nick, which he was already doing. It gives you a sense of just how big his presence was long before he got to Colorado. And again, how different he is than your average head football coach. He's just black or white. He's just in a different category. Now, great, great college football coaches invariably have big personalities. They have to because they have to satisfy those boosters. They have to satisfy players and their parents. And, of course, they have to win, and they have to be pretty good in front of the camera if you're running a top program. Now, Dion fits the profile in that regard, for sure. Team was 1-11 last season, and they're must-watch TV, even now that when they're 2-2. Two and two. And... I don't know how truly good they actually are. And I've felt that way since the start of the season. I know I'm just coming in now that they're 2 and 2. I felt this after they were 2 and 0. The hype hype train just ran off the rails when they beat TCU to open the season. Because the Horned Frogs made last year's championship game against Georgia. It didn't take into account that this was nowhere near the same TCU team that played in the championship and got blasted by Georgia, but nonetheless made the championship. Six players, six, six horned frogs were drafted into the NFL. Seven more hit the transfer portal and left. A total of 18, many of them starters, graduated. Their number 17 rank coming into the season was based largely on what they did last season and being one of the last two teams standing. And coming into this season, 17th indicates just how much talent they lost and didn't replace. Dion's team, in case you've forgotten, then looked out of sorts for nearly three quarters against Colorado State at home and in Boulder against a Colorado State team that was 3-9 and nine last year, barely better than the Buffaloes. Now, the pregame histrionics included Colorado State coach Jay Norville taking a shot at Dion's habit of wearing sunglasses, the hats in his interviews, and Dion clapped back by handing out sunglasses to his team and saying Norvell had made it personal. 
God knows where that conversation would have gone if Norvell wasn't black. And then Norvell and the Colorado State program were mocked for having added fuel to the Buffalo's fire and how they were going to pay for having done so because the Colorado Buffaloes were just a juggernaut. Don't you know, off of that one win over TCU, they were to be feared by everyone. Only Colorado State didn't have to pay for that. Another indicator to me that Colorado just wasn't that good. Yes, the Buffaloes won. Yes, Colorado State Rams lost. But the embarrassing blowout win so many predicted did not come close to happening. The Rams should have probably won the game in regulation. But there's nothing embarrassing about a team that lost its first game of the season, 54-20, to Washington State, then going to overtime on the road in its second game of the season. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And it was clear that whether it was Travis Hunter talking mad trash before the game and paying for it once the pads were on, or Dion telling the world that Colorado State had made a mistake rattling his cage, the Rams were the more inspired, motivated team. And funny, I didn't hear or read anyone suggesting Jay Norville was racist when he called out Deion Swag. It was only when Oregon coach Dan Lanning rallied his team before their game against Colorado by saying the Buffaloes played for clicks while they played for wins that we heard some noise. And Lanning, of course, is white. Now, I'm always taken aback by coaches who seem to get a little too fired up about some sort of demonstration of disrespect. Norvell really didn't do that, but Lanning did. And that's one of the things I like about Dion. He uses the disrespect card, make no mistake about it. He uses it to motivate his players as much as anyone. But you get the sense he's not outraged by it. He's not emotionally touched by it. He's not out of control. Lanning felt like he was on the edge of that. That he got outraged over words exchanged concerning a game. A game played by young men who are also supposed to be students and are supposed to be learning something from said experience playing that game. I don't know that I'd want my kid learning that when someone says something you don't like or find disrespectful. You get spittle-flying, red-faced mad about it. Get even. Prove them wrong. But don't let the, the emotions get the better of you. That's what I would want my kid to learn. That, in fact, is what I've tried to teach my two kids who are now collegiate athletes. Channel that anger or emotion into your play. Use it as energy. 
It's also why I'm not down with the outrage over the Colorado State safety Henry Blackburn's hit that knocked Colorado wide receiver Travis Hunter out of the game. Blackburn was clearly wound up by both Norval, Dion, and Hunter, who didn't hold back from telling the Colorado State players before the game that they were not the badasses they thought they were. As the popular saying these days goes, F around, find out. Now, since then, Travis has put out a video which I just thought was classy as hell. Everything that Travis has done and said has been impressive. Yet, he spoke, he trash-talked him, and he paid a price. And then he said, yeah, that's football. That's what happens. And did a video with, with Blackburn to show that there were no hard feelings, that he understood. When you play football, things happen. You get hit. Young men playing football get wound up by their coaches, playing on a national stage, some, some of them for the first time, and you have your manhood being questioned by the guy across from you, man, are you thinking that it's going to stay between the lines? I don't. I, I would be surprised. I would be more surprised if it did. Now, I don't wish for anyone to ever get hurt, and I'm not going to get into whether or not Blackburn's hit qualified as dirty I do know that all the social media judges who watched replays in slow-mo and cried bloody murder never played a contact sport in their lives. Because if they had, they'd know a couple things. One, talk junk before a game, and you better have your head on a swivel when that game starts. Football, basketball, you name it. Two, when you are dialed up and playing someone all out, even if they haven't talked junk, Pulling back is not something anyone is inclined to do, especially if you're playing on a national stage where you know everybody's looking, especially in this day and age when you have a good chance of becoming a meme if you happen to pull up short. Having an opportunity to maybe intimidate that player just a little to get them thinking about where you are on the next play, that's part of the mental warfare. Now, did Blackburn have to hit Hunter the way that he did? No. Was I at all surprised that he did? Again, no. What bothers me, as I said, most though, is this idea that Dion is some sort of symbolic coach. And it's not just because of setting up this straw expectation that now we're going to have all these other black head football coaches hired as a result of the example that Dion has set. And there's cl it's clear racism if that do movement does not take shape. It's that he's not the first black coach to have swagger. And any criticism he has re received doesn't deserve to automatically be interpreted as an, as an attempt to undermine or devalue him as a coach because he's black. Mike Tomlin has as much swagger, Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. He's got as much swagger as any head coach I've ever met or watched work, and he's had it for nearly 20 years now. Now, there are a few people in the media. Adam Shine comes to mind just because I heard him a lot when I was on, when I had a show on Mad Dog Sports Radio with him, has suggested that Tomlin is a bad coach. For the most part, the shines are few and far between, and I don't consider Shine a football expert. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> no, nothing personal. Uh, but most people recognize the level 
at which Tomlin coached teams have consistently played over the years and what it says about him as a coach that he has always got the most out of whatever kind of roster he's been handed. Now, I believe Shine thought that that Mike was a bad coach because at one time he had Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, and Le'Veon Bell, and he wasn't winning Super Bowls with them. But that was more of a tell on what Shine did and didn't know. Because anybody with contacts in the NFL or really paid close attention to all three of those players understood that those were three personalities and that for all their talent, they were absolute wild cards. And the fact that Tomlin kept that team on the rails and winning on a consistent basis and were at least considered Super Bowl, Super Bowl contenders, keeping Antonio chiefly out of the kind of trouble he found after he left, he left Pittsburgh, all of that was a testament to Mike's coaching and his leadership. I think Dion has a chance to be an all-time great coach. He's a pretty damn good one already, obviously. But I also believe that for him to get to the next level, he is going to have to tone down the rhetoric and the pageantry a bit. Maybe not spend pregames on stage with entertainers. It's not that he can't do that and coach a game. It's the example that he's setting for his staff and his players. Something that I think we've already seen. His players have gotten into a little bit too much talking, showboating, grandstanding, and that wasn't what beat TCU. They came in there as the underdogs, and they were the more physical team. They needed to get their focus back to that. You can enjoy all the other stuff, but you gotta, you got to keep the main thing the main thing, as Pat Riley likes to say. What are they there to do? Win the game. Anything not directly related to that goal has to be put aside. And that's why teams, even at home, spend the night before in a hotel together, collegiate teams. That happens, I believe, at every level. I know what happens with my, with my son. He plays D3. It's a chance to bond and put everything and everyone else aside. If that is, winning the game is truly what matters most. All right. That does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, training camps have opened, so I assure you, for those of you who may not have listened to this episode because it's not about the NBA and basketball, the next episode will. There's a lot going on right now and a lot of subjects to dive into, so I don't know exactly where I will be going. Can't, can't promise a specific topic for next, uh, the next episode, but I can promise that it will be about the NBA. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.